0: Entering the Freedom
1: Hut. It's Friday, everybody. Is the economy turning around? Are we in the early stage of the transition to greatness? Plus, what happens if we do get rid of all police? Apologies. Do not placate the mob. Will kneeling? we've got a video to show you on that. And the best Bidenism of the week. One of the best ever. Coming up. This,
0: this is, is The Buck Sexton Show, Sexton. where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence.
2: Russia. One call. Make no mistake. America. Your You're a great American. again.
0: The Buck Sexton Show begins. The former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is
2: Buck Sexton. Now. The prediction was that the unemployment rate would rise to over 20% and instead it dropped to... Around a little more than 13 percent. Slight difference. And this time, the greatest comeback in American history. Today is probably, if you think of it, the greatest comeback in American history. But it's not going to stop here. It's going to keep going because so many places are closed. I was watching our great Vice President today uh, being interviewed on CNBC. He did a phenomenal job, and he he made a statement. He said, this is not going to stop. 100%. He's always attributing everything to me, but I'll attribute this statement to him. He said it's not going to stop because the numbers that you're looking at don't include all of those states that are closed. They haven't even opened yet.
1: Good news for America. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Isn't it nice to have something to start off a show with in in this uh, era that we're currently in that is undoubtedly positive for America? We thought that things were going to get even worse with the economy. Now, remember, we still have... This very high unemployment rate and technically speaking, I think you could argue that we are still <clears throat> very much in a depression, uh, but it is an induced depression, sort of like an induced coma, as I've been telling you. And now we have some indicators that maybe we can come out of this thing. At least we can start to turn the curve around in our direction. Right. Here's some numbers from CNBC today. Non-farm payrolls rose by 2.5 million in May. The unemployment rate down to 13.3%, which is still stunningly high. But remember, there are states. I'm here in New York City. New York City's still on full lockdown because de Blasio is insane, because Cuomo is a moron, full lockdown. Unless you're a protester, then you can do whatever you want. Then you can run around and scream and yell and spit in people's faces and spit at cops and, you know... It's like a one big coronavirus petri dish out there, isn't it? But, oh, we don't worry about that anymore. They must have a special social justice immunity to COVID-19. Or we were lied to. I want to say this today. I'm upset and I'm mad that there aren't more conservatives who are also completely enraged. This We shouldn't just be... Turning our attention to the uh, the Black Lives Matter protests that are going on and Antifa and all this stuff We should also remember that in doing so the media has abandoned a narrative they use for weeks for weeks months To keep us on lockdown to take Who knows how much money out of the hands of the American people trillions of dollars? I know people I have friends fired lost their jobs don't know how they're going to pay their mortgage don't know how they're going to pay their rent stores all over here might not open and we were told it's because if you're in a group you're putting people at risk you don't even have the right you don't even have the right to take the risk yourself because you're risking others you're killing grandma if you go outside if you get into a group and now we see they're in groups all over the place huge groups enormous groups hours and hours and hours on end public pools are still closed in New York City and they say they'll likely be closed the whole summer but you can march for hours in a big protest someone want to try to explain that to me this is the this is the problem with the leftist mentality they love they are addicted to control and being controlled they either want to be the people the elites that are controlling or they want to be people who are just told what to do as long as they're given some fanciful justification for. It. Oh, this is to stop climate change. Oh, this is to stop violence. Oh, this is to stop covid whatever it is. <sighs> Why are more conservatives outraged about this? I, I don't understand how it's possible not to just I, I walk around and I want to just scream expletives. Everyone I see walking outside with a mask, I want to say, "Take your stupid mask off outside. You don't need a mask outside." Now, stores still mandated here. You you can't even I can't even go buy, uh, you know, go buy hamburger meat without putting on my mask. Got to put it on. Oh, I got to keep everybody safe. It's it's all Oh, Buck, the protesters are, are wearing masks. Are they social distancing? Because I'm pretty sure that stores also have a limit for how many people can go inside. And also, I've seen lots of protesters without masks. I've seen plenty of them, usually more of the. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? For looters, the mask is great. The mask requirement is fantastic. It's also good for anybody who wants to do journalism and get close to some of these uh, protests and see what's really going on, because they don't really know who you are. But I want again, I want to focus on the positive for a second. I'm just I am legitimately furious. And this isn't this isn't some uh, performative media outrage or something. I am. I can't use the words, but whatever you think that I want to say, trust me, I want to say those things, and I want to yell them, and I want—I want to be in a press conference with de Blasio and just hammer that guy with with the questions that need to be asked to, to show. And, and Cuomo, oh, you gotta listen to me because I, I have a I have a, a team of medical experts. And, and if you don't listen, you're going you're gonna to be killing people. Why should you listen to me? I mean, no, no, we're all done with this. de Blasio is a failure. Cuomo's is a failure. And I know a lot of you are in states across the country. But remember, New York is such a big economy. There's so much that goes on here for companies, for corporations, and that it affects the, the national economy. And it's not just New York, Los Angeles still. I mean, the stuff that these... Democrats have enacted is absolutely outrageous and it was all subject to the whims of the mob, literally the whims of the mob. <clears throat> let's get into these positive numbers here for a second and then let's see that there's a big lesson to take from this. Non-farm payrolls, I told you, Wall Street estimates had been for a decline of 8.3 million. And a jobless level of 19.5 percent, which would have been the worst since the Great Depression. Uh, Much of the gain came from those classified as temporary layoffs due to the coronavirus related economic shutdown. This is this means that things are getting going again. People are getting their jobs back. It's not really job creation. They're getting their jobs back. Uh, And we're starting to see things move again. We're starting we're starting to have we're starting to have our country back, our lives back. And this is nothing but good news. It's not amazing news because we still are in a big hole. We still have a lot of unemployment. We still have a lot of problems. But at least it is, it is positive data when we were expecting a lot more negative data. And it matters and it helps our psychology. And it's a good thing to get us going off into the weekend remembering that if only it was not for the stupidity of some of our leadership class we would be fine and the economy would be thriving. This was a decision that they made. This was a choice that was made. And it was clearly the wrong one. And they didn't even mean what they were saying, because if it was really about saving lives to not social to social distance, then they should be all they should be lying down in the streets to stop people from marching in the streets in order to save their lives from COVID-19, right? But they're not, they're not doing that. They're not doing that at all. Yeah, they, wow, you had a, uh, a big gain today as well in the stock market. People are expecting stocks to be making a huge, a huge comeback. I, <clears throat> I've got to say, um, this is terrifying for some people. You know who this is really bothersome to? Libs, Democrats. Oh, I know, and- we'd like to think that they're not so disgraceful they're not so unbelievably ideologically polluted that they would be actively rooting for the depression to continue so that donald trump will lose and joe biden the left's puppet king is going to be the next president of the united states here is though just a, an, an example of the mentality on display. Trump just went through these numbers. He's saying things are are going well, um, and here here here's what he play play clip fifteen.
2: We're going to be back there. I think we're going to actually be back higher next year than ever before. And the only thing that can stop us is bad policy. Frankly, left wing bad policy of raising taxes and Green New Deals and all of the things that you have been writing about long and hard that will stop it like you wouldn't believe. And frankly, it's holding it back if if there were no possibility that that can happen. And I like to be an optimistic person. I think we're looking very good. I think even before today, our polls were the polls that I've seen and the polls that we do were looking very good. But if we didn't have the possibility of having massively higher taxes, like the Democrats want to do, and Green New Deals, which are totally ridiculous, frankly, ridiculous. And all. And I'm a big environmentalist. I believe strongly in taking care of our environment. We have the cleanest air we've ever had, like over the modern era, which, let's say, you go back 30 years. We have the cleanest air, the cleanest water we've ever had. We're setting all sorts of really good environmental records. We're very proud of that.
1: And yet, do you think that any of this is celebrated by Democrats, including those who pretend to care so much about the environment? Now, I know that there's a lot less pollution in the air because of the shutdown, but I'm hey, do you think that they celebrate any of the good things happening now? No. What is good for the country right now and until November, what is good for the American people across the board, a strong economy is good for all of us. Law and order is good for all of us. Just just think of anything that universally speaking is a positive for the American people. It is now viewed as a negative by the Democratic Party. They are more clearly than ever rooting against American safety, security, prosperity, happiness, optimism. The country has to be bad. Things have to be bad. Bad, so that they can make sure they get rid of Orange Man, who is bad, Trump. That much became very clear during the press conference. Um, my friends, we are in for the political fight of all time. Uh, you will. See the left has already embraced insanity, lies. They have no integrity to protect anymore. They will do whatever they think is necessary and is useful. Those are the only those are the only two things, what they think is necessary and what they think is is helpful to their cause. That's what they'll do now. And their willingness and and the willingness of the Democratic Party across the board to collude against the interests of the American people. And to make sure that we suffer more than we should, because it will be helpful to them in their election against Donald Trump. That is that is beyond doubt. It's obvious. And anyone who denies it at this point is either delusional or lying to you.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: So we hear all of this good information about where the economy is heading. It's still in a bad place, but at least it's it's positive news. No question. And the moment the president stops reciting all this positive data, you have the journalists jump in. Wait, wait, wait. What about what about what about? Oh, no, they don't like this. They can't allow the president to start to shift the narrative, turn to optimism, turn turn to improvement. And as he calls it, the transition to greatness, the president told me a couple of weeks ago when I was visiting him in the Oval. Buck, I'm telling you, we're going to transition to greatness. The next quarter is going to be huge. He said huge. (laughs) That's not surprising. Huge like you've never seen before. And once the president has the the initial because remember, so much of this is about uh, people's perception, right? People always describe the market in particular, and the market is really a reflection of the economy as driven by fear and greed. But really, optimism, hopefulness, people's sense of the future, a lot of that is very directly involved in how things go, what kind of spending, what kind of, you know, when when people think the future is good, when people think that they can be positive, there are enormous beneficial effects to the economy. And the Democrats recognize this is a, this is optimism, prosperity, good things for America are a mortal threat to the Democrats' election plans. Don't forget that. It's, it's true. It's motivating what's going on with these protests in part. It's certainly motivating the people organizing this behind the scenes. It's the media's single purpose in life right now is to, is to stop Trump from getting reelected. So after he finishes telling us the good news, um, this is what this is what happens. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Mr. Kennedy, I just, you know, so that shouted at him as he's sitting down. Why don't you have a plan for systemic racism? Does anybody have a plan for systemic racism? And I mean a plan that's not stupid. What, what's the plan? What do we defund police? Is is that the plan to end systemic racism? If you defund police, high crime and predominantly minority areas of the country will be the most immediately and most severely negatively impacted and when I say defund I even mean large reductions in funding this does not address inequality the people that are telling the American people they're really speaking to Democrats with this stuff but pretending that cops are racist and bad this is just manipulating the emotions of the ignorant left but it it continues
0: I'd like to sign this bill
2: Is a very different thing. And by the way, what's happened to our country, and what you now see has been happening—is the greatest thing that can happen for race relations, for the African American community, for the Asian American, for the Hispanic American community, for women, for everything. What's your plan? Because our country is so strong, and that's what my plan is. We're going to have the strongest economy in the world. We almost are there now strongest economy anywhere in the world
1: and now we're going to have an economy that's even stronger sir how that's sir funny. how how would a better economy uh, i'd like
3: to sign you, yeah just to follow up how would a better economy have protected george floyd saying? sure
1: how would a better economy have protected george floyd what a what a stupid question it's the i mean these are journalists uh okay is the president allowed to talk about anything else i, I just want to know that You know, when the president says, hey, everybody, um, I just, you know, I want to, uh, you know, commemorate D-Day. How would D-Day have saved George Floyd? You know what? When it's a non sequitur, One has nothing to do with the other? What is it's just these people are pathetic, but they're destroying the country. They advance narratives that are dangerous and damaging and undermine all of us. And are meant to exacerbate tensions and suspicions and animosities. National journalists. they're based in New York, they're based in D.C. I know many, many, many of them personally. They are bad people. I don't know what else to tell you. They do not have your interests at heart. And a lot of you say, "Well, Buck, you know, I'm out in areas where we don't have to deal with that as much." Not really. You know, there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of states that are so red that you don't have the crazies. I saw some of the stuff going on in Austin, Texas, recently. What's up, KLBJ fam? But I, I, I you know, I was like, uh, maybe is Austin the place that Bruce and Mark and I could move to if Florida's, you know, got no room at the inn. Austin's looking like it's got a lot of lib wackos. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
0: Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We're going to be back and we're opening our country. And I hope that the lockdown governors, I don't know why they continue to lock down, because if you look at Georgia, if you look at Florida, if you look at uh, South Carolina, if you look at so many different places that have opened up, I don't want to name all of them, but uh, the ones that are most energetic about opening, they are doing tremendous business and that this is what these numbers are all about. And you have to remember one other thing very importantly, I think it's extremely important for you to remember that many of our states are closed or almost closed. Some of the big ones, New York, New Jersey, they'll start, they're starting now to get open, I hope. and. Uh, I hope they also use our National Guard. Call me. We'll be ready for them so fast their heads will spin.
1: The inability of the Democrat Party to put aside its partisan aims, even just to let us have our lives back in places like New York and New Jersey is terrifying, but it's a reminder these people don't care about the destruction that they create in their quest for power. It doesn't matter. The suffering doesn't matter. You still have people who were who became famous doctors and epidemiologists, the experts overnight were saying, guys, sorry, it's just too dangerous. The science tells us you can't you can't uh, go out there. You, you got to social distance. They were drawing circles in parks to separate people and clapping for themselves and cheering. And oh, look, we need to make sure that we social distance in the parks. There are signs everywhere. And now those same doctors and nurses that I've seen that have become, oh, prominent voices on this, are saying, yeah, just kidding. Protesting, protesting against systemic bias is so important. Okay, what do you want us to do? So far, the only policy proposal that I'm aware of here is defund the police, which is, I I don't know if you could think of a more destructive and stupid and maniacal position and it's not just something that's being you know tossed around by the the anarchists oh no defund the police is something that you hear now in the city legislature in los angeles they just said they're going to cut police funding 100 to 150 million dollars and redistribute it to the communities in need you know what the communities in need need, jackasses? Safety and less crime. That is number one, okay? That is what they need. They don't need more bureaucrats in the public school system who don't even teach. There's a ton of that that goes on in these places. Oh, yeah, we need another, need another you know, teacher's union rep. We need an assistant to the assistant to the assistant for the teacher's union. Uh, you know, they don't need to fatten the pension benefits of city employees in Los Angeles even more than they are. They don't need to redistribute the 100, 150 million of people in need. And, and does anyone think that they looked at the budget with, with clear eyes? and were like, wow, we really have some some waste, fraud or abuse in the police budget here. So let's spend it more wisely. Come on. Nobody believes that this is all just a concession to the crazy Loony left, as I told you yesterday, they're not rational anymore. You can't get them to see things like normal people would. They're all you know, it's a combination of the experiment we've run by locking everybody up, limiting human contact, giving them no distractions. Now everyone's really more political and more politicized than I think they've ever been before. And then you also add to that that COVID-19 is, is not the end of the Trump uh, presidency, and they were hoping it would be. It's not. It's not going to do it. And so, and, and, you know, think about that, too. I mean, the, the just the exploitation of that, because there there were a lot of, it was really scary for our seniors there for about six weeks. Oh, notice how the trend also in countries all over the world is you've got about a six to eight week run of this disease, and then it fades. Irrespective of lockdown status, irrespective of test and trace, ir- you know, some places got hit worse than others but you can't actually draw a correlation uh, or rather can't even find causation between those that took certain steps and why they were hit less uh, hit less severely with the disease but the, the the curve was largely the same in terms of the duration of the up and then the duration of the down across the board which just means that this makes its way through the human population and then it fades like seasonal influenza does every year this was particularly lethal to seniors i understand that and you know if you're a senior and you made it through you know to this point i I think you know you're not you're not out of the woods from COVID 19 but you are a lot a lot closer and you know we're going to be able to i mean trump is pushing so hard for these vaccines to get expedited and you know you're going to be in i think pretty good shape come 2020 the beginning of 2021 when things could really have a big spike again Um, I I think that we're going to find that we've got this largely controllable, if not entirely under control, that it's it's manageable. That's what the president told me. I I said, Mr. President, no second lockdown. He said, Buck, we're not doing a second lockdown. I said, okay. He said, we're going to put out fires as they come up. We see one. Boom. We're going to take care of it. That's how we're going to do this. We're not going to just tell everybody to lock themselves inside, which was always a crazy policy. But again, I'll, I'll bring you back to the. Mainstream journos and what they think about all this, what their focus is.
4: Doctor, sir. Black unemployment went up by one by point one percent. Asian Americans unemployment went up by 0.5%. percent. How is that a victory? You are something. How is that a victory? Uh, thank you very much.
2: It's been an honor. This is such a great achievement. I feel so good about it. This is just the beginning. The best is yet to come.
1: I think the president's right. The best is yet to come. And that's what terrifies the Libjournos. you imagine what it looks like? We go into September and all of a sudden you're seeing the unemployment rate just dropping, dropping, dropping back to our decades-long lows. Now, I'm still worried about all the... Uh, the debt that has been accrued and the corporate bankruptcies that are looming and all the, uh, the, the, the spending that has been going on. And there's a lot of I'm sure people have racked up credit card debt and there, there's going to be problems. And don't get me wrong. It's not going to be easy. But the fact that this is and remember, the experts were all predicting people whose job it was to get right what the numbers would look like in May. It's not that they were off. They got the trajectory wrong. Right. They, they got the, the direction of the unemployment numbers wrong, which that that's a that feels like a shift in momentum. The journos hate this. They hate this. If it means think about it this way. They were willing to keep us all locked down for two months as a means of controlling us and to throw a wrench into the gears of the Trump economy. They were willing to do that. And in New York and New Jersey, they're willing to continue to do this to us. I mean, if it sounds like, Buck, why are you so mad about this? It's in part, my friends, because I still can't go to the gym. I, I still can't go to the roof of my own building. Not allowed to go outside, and get some air. Can't do it. Not safe. Not safe. Have to wear a mask or I could be barred from my own residence. And it's It's not I can't really blame my building. Uh, my building ownership. It's. De Blasio and Cuomo. These people are total morons and cowards on top of it. They're despicable. They're despicable. I I, there's no one even pushing them on this because the problem is, you know, the national media doesn't really you know, they they don't get access to these guys. They don't really care. And they're on board with the Democrat agenda. It's very look, it's it's very I I know I'm I'm very frustrated today because I'm also I'm just so enraged. You know, I'm enraged by places like CNN and The New York Times, the dishonesty with which they're not only covering the protests that are going on, but also the way that they've approached um, uh, everything that's going on with the switch from, oh, my gosh, you can't be outside to, well, as long as you're protesting something we like. I mean, the March for Science wasn't really about science. The Women's March wasn't really about women. These Black Lives Matter protests aren't really about ending racism. These are mobilization movements of the left in their war against Trump. This is not about reform. This is about power. You've got to see it that way. You've got to know what's happening around us. Otherwise, they will get away with it. And they'll manage what they want. Uh, They'll manage to continue to just drive this country, you know, drive this country into the ground because it's better. You know, the, the Democrats feeling on a prosperous America is if they can't be in charge, nobody can be in charge. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But how else do you make sense of their claims that we should defund police? How else can you make sense of what they're telling us um, that they want to do to the economy now? I like when Vice President Pence in his very, very genteel and, uh, and, and gentlemanly fashion is like, oh, no, no, these commies hate this country too." play 13
3: what we believe the the real threat to the economic recovery going forward are the policies of Joe Biden the policies of democrats in congress that are already advocating raising taxes increasing regulation the green new deal that it you know re- restarting the war on coal all all the opposite direction that laid that solid foundation president trump laid that created more than 7 million jobs that's the foundation that you see in evidence today the the strength of the American people, the fundamental strengths of this economy. and, And that's the path that we're gonna keep this nation on for the rest of this year and for four more years.
1: And let's understand that the narrative that the left has been counting on for months now is, look at how terrible the economy is, it's all Trump's fault. Look at how awful things are going in your life, it's all Trump's fault. If things are on the rebound even, if we are on the upswing, Everyone will be able to see this. And the Trump administration's story, which is, I think, the true story is, hey, we got hit with a once in a century pandemic. But our economy is so strong and we are so resilient because of the pro market and pro growth anti regulation approach that we have that we're already coming out of it. You want to put these wackos in charge with the Green New Deal and their socialism and. And they're, you know, universal basic income and all this other stuff. You want to do that? Really? Uh, that's going to be a tough one for Democrats. So remember, uh, a Great Depression, no freedom, locked in your homes, not able to enjoy life, not free outside on the streets in cities, businesses burning, um, and the, the collapse of mutual trust and respect for each other and for the government. These are all things that benefit the Democrat Party and that if they have their way, they would like to see. So we are not on the same page even about the most basic things in this country. We're not trying to achieve the same goals through different ends. They want misery for as many people as possible so that they can manipulate those emotions and get those voters to mail in those ballots and make confused Joe Biden, the puppet of the Democrat Party sitting in the White House. That's what they're hoping for. These leftists are disgraceful.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
3: You see, in Virginia, we no longer preach a false version of history one that pretends the Civil War was about state rights and not the evils of slavery. No one believes that any longer. And in 2020, we can no longer honor a system that was based on the buying and selling of enslaved people, not in 2020. So I want us all to tell that little girl the truth. Yes, that statue has been there for a long time. But it was wrong then and it is wrong now, so we're taking it down. I know some will protest. Some will say Lee was an honorable man. I know many people will be angry. But my friends, I believe in a Virginia that studies its past in an honest way.
1: Governor Northam, hero of the fight against systemic racism. Wait a second. Isn't Governor Northam the guy who was either in the KKK uh, uniform or the blackface? Wasn't is it Oh yes, yes. And not sure which. Which tells me that this was like a pretty routine thing for him back in the day. But does he does he have to lose his job or step down? No, of course not why? With Democrats it's never about principle, it's always about power. Always. <sighs> it's uh Amazing to see how many people right now are using this as an opportunity to to burnish their wokeness credentials, their uh, their liberalism, their leftism is on full display. And and they see they see nothing it, th- there's there's no part of them that stops to think, am I doing the am I doing these things? Because I actually think it will change anything. Or is this just all self congratulation, right? Am, am I really helping people here or am I, you know, the equivalent of the person who goes to the five thousand dollar a plate, you know, charity, you know, charity gala somewhere and gives a little bit of money to the society for, you know, orphan puppies or something, you know, I, I, I do, are, is this something that is really a cause that people are personally invested in? Or is this just all burnishing their own personal image? Look at how amazing I am. Virtue signaling. It's a big virtue signaling bacchanal right now. Everyone's just going for it. Oh, look at me. I'm the one who opposes racism the most. How? What are you doing? Are you taking any risk? Are you putting in real work? Are you doing anything that requires effort? because if the answer is no to all of these things and all you do is what the crowd is demanding right now from and then i just mean this is a general sense for any individual uh really it's worth i mean an, an ethical person an introspective person would think hold on a minute do i really care about this cause or do i just care about the perception of me as it relates to the cause But see, the left would crumble if people actually asked that question.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I appreciate that so many of you yesterday had such reactions, strong reactions to me saying that you never kneel to the mob and you never apologize for things that you haven't done. And that this... Should be considered a a maxim, a, a mantra, a a central tenet, I guess, of the Freedom Hut. You do not. I mean, look, that doesn't mean you never apologize, right? And it, and it doesn't mean that you never admit a wrong. It just means you don't you don't pretend that you're wrong just because there's a mass of people out there that are screaming it at you, uh, and you certainly don't give in to the calls from the mob because you're trying to win them over or avoid, uh, avoid their contempt because, trust me, they will hate you just as much. They do not care. It does not matter to them. Um, and people are finding this out the hard way. I see Drew Brees has apologized again for what he said. And not only does, does it, is it bothersome to me, that he has nothing to apologize for. I actually thought that what he said was, was, was just excellent, right? It's one thing to say, eh, you know, somebody was kind of close to the line, but they don't need to apologize for that. It's another thing to say what they said was great. Why are they, <laughs> what are they apologizing for? What Drew Brees said was fantastic. But we're told he's got he's to gotta apologize, so... Again, not, once was not enough. Now he's, I'm sorry, now now it's the grovel. Now it's. he's got to keep, and this guy's, bro, producer Mark, I mean, what, he's got to be worth 100 mil plus easy, right? I mean, the guy's making, what, 20 million a year? Easily something like that. Yeah, I mean, same, he's, he's worth at least tens of millions of dollars. The guy's super rich. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, producer Mark says. He's one of the, certainly then one of the best in the league today. By the way, I got to tell you, I am like almost halfway through the last dance with Michael Jordan and the Bulls, it's amazing. It's yeah. just so well done. You've seen it, right? I've seen the whole thing, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's so good. And it, rem- it reminds me of what it was like when people played basketball. I just going to say, it, with a little bit of heart, a little bit of tenacity, a little bit of fire in the belly. Everybody wasn't just sitting on the bench getting $15 million a year to like do nothing. I mean, you know, a different time. A different time, that I, that I can say. Uh, and, I mean, you watch these clips of what uh, and for any of you who haven't seen it, uh, go on ESPN on demand, and and uh, it's an, uh, it's a must watch. Even if you don't really like basketball that much, I'd say it's something you really enjoy. But producer Mark, you see the like those guys uh, on uh, particularly the Pistons, but the Celtics too. These guys like Bill Laimbeer and Kevin McHale, they would just. Mall people on the court. I mean, it's like if you you never see that stuff today.
4: Yeah, there was a toughness in the NBA in the eighties and nineties that you just don't see today. It's all about finesse and showmanship nowadays, and three pointers.
1: It's just a big three-point shooting contest. That's what I th- that's what I see when I watch it. It's just all pick and roll, three-point three-point shot, pick and roll three. I'm always like, ah, uh, this is great, I guess. But back in the day, these guys were banging it out under the boards. It was crazy. It was like, ah. Oh. It brings me back because I used to watch that Knicks team uh, that had, you know, Patrick Ewing. He was on the Knicks for 15 years, which I didn't even realize it was that long. Um, but, you know, Patrick Ewing was the leader of that team. And man, it, you know, the, the Bulls were a team in the 90s that when, when they had their, their reign and obviously they won six championships. They were a team that you hated, but you had to respect because they were super fun to watch. You know, it was amazing to watch them play basketball. Like they were so good as a team, and they had the greatest player of all time. Unlike, in my opinion, and now some, hopefully, some folks in K E I B L A aren't going to get mad at me for this one. I'm sorry, I never thought the Shaq Kobe duo was. Kobe was, and rest in peace. Kobe was amazing, um, and, and amazing to watch. I thought watching Shaquille O'Neal play basketball was the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. Really, he was just. I just bigger and stronger than everybody. It was like it would be like watching somebody in college playing against a bunch of eighth graders and just dunking on them all the time. It just wasn't fun. I just didn't think it was a good viewer experience. But I oh, I had a friend in college. We got drunk when I, we got in a fight over this for like an hour, an hour, because I used to watch a lot of basketball. I just don't anymore. I don't have time. I got do research for this show. I got to bring you I got to be smarter than all the other shows out there. And that means that i got to just read constantly and do research. But, you know, the fruits of our labors, producer Mark are paying off. So there's that.
4: You're, you like Shaq, though, back in the day? Of course. He's the best. Well, not, I'm not going to call him the best center of all time, but he is one of the most dominating forces of all time. Yeah. I mean, he's
1: definitely top five centers of all oh, time. Oh, yeah, he's top five. I mean, you have people like Kareem that you can't, you know, discount. Right, of course. Well, and then, I mean, I actually... In his day, I remember there was a Houston Rockets-New York series, and New York should have won and did not get it done. And it was really because Hakeem Olajuwon was just better than Patrick Ewing. It's yeah. really what it came down to. Hakeem made the big shots, and Patrick Ewing didn't. I'm just going to say it. I don't know. So Hakeem Olajuwon, when he, was, when he was on fire, man, that guy was incredible. Anyway, it's a really, really good series if you haven't seen it. I'm, I'm kind of binge-watching it this week, uh, and it's, it's great. I highly recommend it. Uh, But back to back to sports and Drew Brees. Yeah, he's apologizing again. I'm just wondering why he, uh, you know, why he thinks that this is going. Oh, look, I I get it. He's in the NFL and people are going to say, you know, oh, why don't you support the mission here or whatever? I'm still waiting to understand systemic racism meaning what? Is the the, the systemic racism in the NFL or the systemic racism in policing? Okay, how do we address systemic racism in policing? We already do all this training. We we have all these talks all the time. How do we address it? What are are we saying that the are the cops arresting African-Americans all the time um, and and prosecuting them, which is also prosecutorial issue, then not not just a police issue who are innocent. Is that the claim? I'd be very curious to have anybody who's ever worked in a district attorney's office or a U.S. attorney's office uh, try to defend that claim, that there are large, large numbers of innocent African-Americans who are being prosecuted. So what really are we being told is, um, oh, oh, wait, that's a good Bruce Mark just sent me that he's got, a, he's got a contract to join NBC Sports as a commentator when he retires. Oh, of course. That's how they get you to really grovel. That's how they get you to just, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't, please, just, I'll do anything. There's big money involved. I Look, I get it. I understand. Everybody has their breaking point. It's just like when people say you see all these movies where the, the hero is like getting beaten and tortured. First of all, people always get beaten and tortured in, in movies, you know, when they when they capture, uh, you know, the, whoever the hero is and, you know, he's getting punched in the face and you'll see like a little bit of blood trickle down the side of his face or something. and You always say he'd look a lot worse than that. First of all, if you're getting punched and you can't defend yourself at all, uh, but also that people will just be so tough that they won't break. No, people break. That's what they do. Um, And they break physically and also they will break uh, if you put enough financial pressure on them with something like this. But Breeze has issued two apologies and had a self-recorded video in which he says, I just want you to see in my eyes how sorry I am for the comments. No. Uh, Look, I get it. I understand why he's doing this, but he said nothing wrong he did nothing wrong, but bending the knee to the mob. Speaking of bending the knee, you don't have to be a famous person to all of a sudden be targeted by the loony left. You know, you don't have to be a famous person. You can just be anybody. And some someone and, and I believe that this was in a parody. Someone had, or not, par, you know, it's meant to be a, like a satire. I mean, the person isn't actually. But went around. It was pretty smart. Was it in New York City? Yes. Went around New York, right here where I am. Guy walks around and tells people to kneel so that you know, because of their white privilege. Kneel to show that you reject your complete strangers. This guy has no idea who these people are. They're just white. And if you walk around now in the current environment, you say, kneel before me to atone for your white privilege. There are a lot of people who will do it. Play play this guy. This is just part of the clip. I mean, this has been going all over the place on social media. Play clip two.
5: Excuse me. Are you by any way or in any chance a bigot? You are not a racist. I'm not a racist. Okay, so then I work for Black Lives Matter, right? I would want you to get on your knees right now when we hit that corner because, or else, you know, that just shows the, bigot, the bigoted nation we live in because of President Donald Duck sorry. But I work for Black Lives. Matter. It's it's my right to. I'm sorry. All right. So you're not gonna kneel. So you're gonna be a racist on camera. Is that what you're saying? Just kneel. Just kneel, please. Just one time. That's all I ask. Just show solidarity for what happened to to George Foreman. Just please. I mean Floyd. For Floyd. I know, and
4: I support everything that's happening.
5: But you just can't kneel.
4: No, I'll kneel, but I just don't want to
5: okay fine i respect but all you have to do is just one one thank you so much
1: she kneeled there are others There's a whole video of it going around the city saying uh, are you a racist you're not a racist well then prove you're racist kneel kneel peasant grovel before me beg for forgiveness for your white privilege the man claims to be speaking on behalf of Black Lives Matter. Now I know this is a—he's doing this as satire, but it's all you have to do. It's all you have to say. White liberals. I'm so sorry that I am—I'm so sorry about my white privilege, because this is what happens. I have been saying those of you who have, who are OSS, which we say for Original Saturday Squad, have been listening to my show for for years now. Going on, I don't know. This is the eighth year of the Buck Sexton Show, something like that. You know that I've always said that the academies, meaning colleges and universities, are the laboratories of liberal insanity and that it was completely predictable and was predicted not just by me, by by others, too. But we knew that as things got even more crazy and and Marxist and uh, social justice absurd on college campuses It would filter out into the the broader society. And that's what has happened now. So what used to just be all those stupid college kids, I mean, nobody really, you know, they're all going to grow up and get jobs and pay bills and like learn how the world works. Nope, not the ones who think that, you know, uh, the Title IX investigations where men can't call witnesses don't have the right to have their story told, don't have the right to a lawyer, have a preponderance of evidence standard against them in a sexual assault allegation, for example. You know, kids that are taught in school that that's fair, that's due process, they don't come out into the real world and say, wow, that was really terrible and unjust. I now have learned, no, now they want that to be the law. Now they want that to be the way it is everywhere. I mean, these schools have gotten even more insane since I was there. And they were crazy when I was there. You know, I mean, I went to Amherst College. I mean, that place, uh, you know, if, if you were a conservative, there were like 10 people in the College Republicans. I was one of them. And I was foolish enough. I was naive enough to come out of school and leave that on my resume. Whew. Fortunately, it didn't actually exclude me from the CIA. But uh, I interviewed at a bunch of places while I was waiting to get my security clearance. And I can't. You know, they, I could always tell when they'd see the bottom of college Republicans. Ew. And I was just like, wait, I thought I thought corporate America, you know, I thought Republicans rule No, no, we don't. You know who really rules corporate America now? The people that work in the diversity and inclusion office who can get you fired for any reason or no reason. That's who rules corporate America now. Even the CEO has to be like, I'm sorry, I will bend the knee to show that my white privilege is not showing. I'm so, so, please don't hit me. Isn't it just pathetic? Well, well, don't, don't people want to have dignity themselves? And also, wouldn't any person who is moral and, and decent want those around them to maintain their dignity too? You know how when you watch something and it's so embarrassing... You're really it's hard to watch because you're so embarrassed for the person. I mean, that's how I feel when I see any individual who does this. You know, I'm going to kneel at the demands, of, you know, for the demands of the protesters thing. I I don't understand how anybody could could. And, and certainly the people on this video who are, who are being they're being blackmailed. They're being told, you know, do this or we're going to put you on T. We're going to put you on the Internet and people will think you're a racist uh, this is the country we're living in now, and, and that's why, you know, my position on all this is not, oh, let's just hear everybody out and just take it. It's OK. People will hear everybody out. Let's hear out the movement. Let's let's see the Black Lives Matter slogans. Let's see the placards. Let's see the marches. Let's ha- let's have it out. And then I'm going to sit here and be like, what's true and what's not about what they're saying? I'm going to sit here and say they still talk about Mike Brown using lies. I'm still going to sit here and say that they are proposing ideas like defund police that are just moronic. It's not that I don't agree with them. It is stupid. It is, it is lacking in seriousness. And I, I mean, how else? I see the, I, at some points, I do be, whew, I become overcome with the frustration here. Overcome with the frustration because there are so many people who should be with me on this. So many in the media who are supposed to speak truth to power who are such cowards. They're such cowards. Oh, please don't call me racist. I just, my white privilege is like so upsetting. Please, I don't want to be calling a racist. People that are millionaires, people that, you know, don't have to worry about paying their bills. that are They're fine and, you know, they're in the media and you, they got a big platform. Oh my gosh, Hollywood, all these... All these smug, rich, lib entertainers, they're the worst people on earth. Read a book, you Hollywood idiots. A book. The whole thing. Read it. Learn something.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show Podcast.
4: You you, you see those Republicans walking past in silence uh, while uh, we are in the middle of what some of the most respected generals and admirals, military leaders have said over the past week is an inflection point, Uh, a a possible constitutional crisis that could remake uh this republic if if people do not begin speaking out against the president of the united states and yet there is silence uh from most of those republicans mm-hmm. uh there's a certain dante quote uh about people remaining silent uh in a in a, in a time of of a moral crisis uh, that uh, that seems to be the republican party right now
1: I don't know why anyone listens to. Oh, no, I know why people listen to Joe Scarborough. I can answer my own question because he uh, puts on his little fake Republican suit so that he can then trash Republicans for the amusement of Democrats. He's really like he's like the Renfield of the Democrat Party and the Democrats are Dracula. Yes, the master is coming, Scarborough says about Dracula. I don't know. You guys ever read Dracula? It's a great, you know. It's a great novel, actually, if you're looking for a book to read these days, I'd read. But yes, yeah, Scarborough, Scarborough is the Renfield and he does whatever his Demo- you know, the, the bosses in the Democrat Party tell him to do. <sighs> it's very frustrating, but oh, yeah, it's a moral crisis right now. The, the looting is not a crisis. It's just a little looting. It's just, you know, business is getting burned down. No big deal. Right. The big problem is that the psychopaths that have no idea what they really want and and that are mobbing and looting and going crazy occasionally get sprayed with some pepper spray. That's the real crisis, according to Scarborough, which he probably tells us from his mansion in Florida. Thanks for listening to the Buck
0: Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app
4: or wherever you get your podcasts. They've treated police officers with such disrespect in New York City that I am stunned. I've never seen that level of disrespect to a police officer. Now, I come from a different time and place, but a police officer, you wouldn't dare disrespect a police officer. But this is at a level that is just inappropriate, unconscionable. Uh,
1: So it's it's complicated. There is not going to be a simple answer. How about show respect to cops? That would be uh, step one for me. How about just say that, Governor Cuomo? Oh, you know, my time would be different because, you know, you'd never do this to police. All right. Why? Why not really call this out? Uh, it is it is completely contemptible what is happening right now on the streets of major cities, particularly New York. I mean, there's so much of it going on. The media doesn't really cover where all the riots happen, where all the stuff you you hear little bits here and there, you know, in New York and in D.C., uh, they're so big and there's so much destruction that you'll at least hear about it. But in other places, you won't necessarily. But I thought that this was only about ending systemic racism. But now it seems like it's about hating cops. But, you know, this isn't the first time that's come up. What did Black Lives Matter the last time turn into? Largely a movement that was anti-cop. I'm not saying there weren't any conversations that happened or there weren't any uh, policy discussions that came from it that might have been somewhat useful. Fine. But what if you're asking me what mostly was the result of it? Uh, some very nasty riots, right? The destructive riots that happened in Baltimore and St. Louis. A uh, bunch of cops got killed, and eventually people figured out that this is really about the cops or the bad guys. That's that's the That was the underlying thesis for all of it. That cops are bad. Um, and when you see a statistic, if you think that nine African Americans who are unarmed—that does not mean not a threat, by the way—but uh, nine African Americans who are unarmed killed in a country of three hundred and twenty. Five million people with over 10 million arrests a year, if you think that, the, that, that if you're going to point to those, those nine unarmed black men being killed and suggest that that is a national crisis that requires the shutdown of cities, that justifies looting and destruction, um, there is no reasoning with you. There's no way to reason with you. That, that's crazy. That's crazy. And if people in the press were honest, they would say that. And we're, there's, there's no solidarity marches for the 7,500 African-Americans killed almost entirely by other African-Americans in cities across the country year in and year out. Why, why don't those lives matter as much? Oh, I know what they say, because this is about the state and about oh all this kind of like Marxist rhetoric about the state. Of where, if the state was really systemically biased in the way that Black Lives Matter pretends... The number of people killed would be a lot higher than nine. Right. The numbers don't lie. But no, no, no. Just take things, decontextualize, inflame, take things out of context, abuse it, use it, whatever you have to do to to gain leverage over your political opponents. That is what this is all about. And I'm never going to let it go. And I'm, I know I feel like you, you know, this is one place I apologize for all because you are living in more free states for the most part. We got New York listeners too, uh, and New Jersey. But the fact that I'm still in this little corner of, of totalitarian idiocy where, uh, you know, the, the, we're still on lockdown here. We're still not having an economy. We're still not doing anything for what? Unless you're a protester, then you just run wild. Then you do whatever you want. But for other people who are adult enough, mature enough to understand that we have to get the economy going again and we have to live our lives again, nope, no help from the authorities for us. Um, to say that I have, I have contempt for our leadership in this pocket of the Northeast is a, a dramatic understatement. Uh, but I also have contempt and amusement and amusement at the uh, the the problems facing the New York Times. Uh, this is great. This is fantastic because you know I mentioned to you before that they that the, the campus activism, which is just these people are irrational. It's not they don't work based off of evidence and truth and logic. They work off of emotion and resentment and I'm, I'm upset. That's what that is the the primary. Method that they use to determine what policy should be and how they communicate. Um, the the uh, the they have now been hired at places like the New York Times and even the old guard liberals, you know, the boomer liberals is what we're really, even the boomer libs at places like the New York Times and like the Washington Post are in a little bit of shock right now. That the stuff that they've you know, and they're completely responsible for it. Don't make don't misunderstand me. I mean, they when when some of us would say, hey, the campuses have really gotten this is a a toxic uh, totalitarian mindset that they have. I mean, these are now really radical cultural Marxists that are coming out of the top universities. Um, the, The person that threw a Molotov cocktail at a cop car in Brooklyn went to Princeton and NYU. These are people coming out of the top places, and then, by the way, they're the top. That's that's all. Also, don't even get me into that. All right, why'd you get in? That's a question you should ask anybody that goes to an elite school. Why'd you get in? Some people will say it's because of my great grades and I'm such an impressive student. A lot of people won't have a very very compelling answer, and those are the ones where you got to say, oh, you know, mommy and daddy. Oh, a lot of that in media, by the way. Anyone that you think in anyone in media, I think mean, you've got like people with famous last names like Chris Cuomo who went to Yale University, and the guy's a, the guy's a moron. Yale's the hardest law school in the country to get into. Uh, Yale Law School is the single toughest for admissions. Chris Cuomo went. Does anyone think Chris Cuomo is a smart guy or a good lawyer? Hey, what does it say you got to peaceably assemble? I mean, other than the First Amendment to the Constitution, you're right. It doesn't appear anywhere. Uh, but his last name's Cuomo, and these schools are totally, oh... They can't get enough famous Democrat politician kids. They love that. They love that. But a lot of the people you'll see in media, if you can find find out where mommy and daddy went to school, I, I mean, the ones, you know, the, the ones that are like in their 40s and 50s now find out where their parents went to school. Cause they'll be like, oh, well, I went to Harvard. You're like, well, are you the third generation in your family to do so? So anyway, yeah, my dad went to Harvard Business School. I didn't go to Harvard. So there you go. Uh, where were we? Oh, yes. New York Times, completely insane. The wokeness has come for them and they don't know what to do about it. Uh, Here is a woman who is a computer programmer at the New York Times. And here's what she wrote yesterday. Two dozen of us who make New York Times publishing tools called out sick in solidarity with our black colleagues and in protest of the cotton op ed. I was harassed on Twitter all day for it. Guess what? Today, there's a, there's a virtual walkout of 300 plus of us who work outside of editorial. That's right, folks. A walkout from The New York Times for publishing a United States senator's editorial about a public policy issue that 58 percent of the country agrees with him on. Fifty eight percent. How many really contentious issues do you get? Almost a 60 percent agreement. Not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, And the New York Times has apologized now. There's no correction they've appended to the story because there's no correction to be made. There's nothing wrong with the Cotton editorial. But there's something else that has been missed in this that I I want to interject into the conversation right now. I, I want you to remember this. The libs, the psycho left, created this problem that we see of The false narrative of young black men being hunted systematically by cops and murdered and all this, that's just not, it's not supported by the facts. It's not true. It happens, but a lot of things happen, and we don't base all public policy off of something that is the equivalent of a lightning strike. In terms of probability. Uh, But... This is what I want you to remember. The left created this mess. This nightmare is a creation of the left right now. And th- notice that the re- in the response to it, which is, you know, we we so they create all this disorder and lawlessness and the politicians are cheering it on and the public health experts are, "Oh no, this is really important." like the total idiots they are, you know, maybe if they had spent a little bit more time studying, maybe the public health experts that are lecturing us all about what to do, uh, if they were, you know, a little more on it and a little less social justice involved, we would have a cure for this thing already. I'm just putting that out there. You know, I feel like a lot of them are a little too, you know, fast to to go for the hashtags and not to focus on, uh, excuse me, can we actually... Deal with a public health issue and not have you pretend that because you are an epidemiologist that we should listen to what you think about the economy or about race relations or anything else. I mean, we'll listen, but I'm allowed to say it's stupid. You have no particular expertise on these matters. And actually, you don't have to listen. You're just allowed to say, right? That, that's another difference, too. People don't get to demand. This is one of my favorite things about libs on social media now. Uh, and this will make your whole experience online better. No one gets to demand your attention. You know I have all these, all these blue checks all the time trying to beep, beep 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 trying to come at me with some. I don't pay them any attention. They're morons. I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to respond to them. I don't have to deal with them or interact with them. They're idiots. People that write me nasty, messages... I can tell in the first three words whether someone's you know a psychopath online. Beep, done. Producer Mark, I told him the same thing. Just beep, I don't need this crap. People are you know people are losers, they're idiots. I don't care. Do yourself that favor. Don't think that anyone... You know, there's a difference between someone having the right to write something or say something and you feeling the obligation to engage with it. Cut all that stuff out. All that stupidity and negativity and and viciousness and, you know, and the left is just soaked in that these days. And they have been for a long time, but particularly bad right now. Just, eh, shut it down. Just shut it down. Uh, But they created this problem and now they complain about the response to it so they 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 set up the crisis and then they turn to oh your your response to the crisis is so bad look what you're doing how about don't create a crisis that would also be helpful any response no no responsibility for that whatsoever yeah this uh, new york times walkout which just goes to show you anybody who claims the new york times is not a partisan rag is a liar or a moron there's no way to get around this. There's nothing. There's no violation of journalistic standards or integrity in the, in the cotton op-ed. Nothing. They just don't like the idea that the military could be called in to suppress riots and looting. The military is not going to do a thing to people who are protesting. Protesting is fine. You know why the riots and looting happen? Because the message of these protests is not coherent enough to bring about any change. That's really the truth. That, that is underlying with all of this. What do, they, what do they want? They don't know. Oh, I love this. This other construction, too, of you know, this construct of put it on, put it on you. You have an obligation to end systemic racism. OK, how do I have an obligation to end meanness too? And and do I have an obligation to end cruelty? Well, I have an obligation not to do those things myself, but is it on me to make those things across the world go away? And if I don't do that, you're going to tell me what to do. You're going to make me bend the knee. Don't let them get away with this nonsense, folks. I know there's so there's so much social pressure right now. And oh, it feels so good. I just want to be an ally. I just want to No. No, be an ally to truth, justice, dignity, cor- uh, courage, decency, kindness. Don't be an ally to the whims, to the demands, to the idiocy of the mob. Don't. You're in the Freedom Hut. This
0: is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
4: So for our our part in the damage to civility, for our part in racial bias, in excessive force, unacceptable behavior, unacceptable language, and many other mistakes, we are human.
1: I am sorry. That's the uh, commissioner of the NYPD bending the knee. I mean, now you could say that maybe that this is smart. Maybe this is worthwhile. He's got to look. Community relations with the police force are important. I understand all that. But does he think that the protesters care that he apologizes? I don't care. Doesn't matter. De Blasio himself is out there. Uh, we're going to do things better. And we're going to you know, And they're all booing him. And that's Kami de Blasio. He's Commie de Blasio is the biggest ally. These left wing radicals could ever hope for. Running the biggest city in the country, and they boo him. You think they they just view the police commissioner as De Blasio's little stooge? You think that they're, that they're gonna think that this is any better now? You can apologize every day. You could bend the knee every day. It doesn't matter because you aren't actually apologizing for anything you have control over or that you have done. Apologizing for other people is meaningless. You know, I could sit here all day. Oh, you know, I'm uh, I, you know, I, I apologize for, you know, the viciousness of the First World War. I just want to say that to all of the people that are still upset about what happened in those trenches, you know, I, I just want to, you know, this has become this, this, uh, this, this like ritual we all have to go through of, oh, we have to do these apologies. You apologize for things you have done or that you had control over. Th- that's it. You, you don't, you running around and apologize. Does anyone think that this is going to make the protests stop or feel better or anything else? No. I, because what really is the point here? What is the purpose of this? No one's really clear. It's just this big emotional outburst that we're all supposed to bow down to. Oh, we're so sorry, whatever you say. Why? No, I know this is all this. This is just logic. But to some people, it's all oh, it's so hateful because they've been programmed. They've been brainwashed in the thing that there's some rage, some rage that they're allowed to feel about, you know, the system. When I tell you what I don't like about the government, I tell you what I don't like, what I want to change, what is wrong. If you want change, you have to know what change you seek. You have to have some idea of who's responsible for the problem. To just say, this is what I meant by, do I have to apologize every day for cruelty around the world? Is that on my shoulders? Because that doesn't seem that different to me than going around asking people, demanding people apologize for systemic racism. Racism is bad. We all know it. Is one person, any one person, responsible for the racism that exists in humanity? Give this some thought. I mean, you know, let me know what you guys think. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sex, and Show podcast. Remember
0: to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: What are we really like as a country? Let, let's think about that for a moment. I, you know, I know today we started off with the good economic news and there are clearly people and they're Democrats and it's the left who are rooting for economic failure. There's no question there, really. I'm not saying everybody on the left, but a lot of them. What do we really like when it comes to race relations in this country? What do we what do we think of our um, our brothers and sisters of, of other races here in America? Uh, and the answer is that day to day we love them. And that the American people get along incredibly well with each other and that this forced narrative of there's so much discord and there's so much bias and hatred and anger and all of this stuff. This is coming from people who, one, want to keep their place in the economic class structure. Don't forget that. Very useful to divide and conquer by race from those at the top of the economic and power structure and not a racial power structure, an economic one. Um, But also, uh, this is a way to deflect from the failures of the elites and the ruling class. But the truth is, day to day, we... We get along very well with each other because Americans see each other as people. We are an incredibly diverse country and it is it is a part of our core ethos now as a nation to love people of all creeds, colors, backgrounds. And that's been a long and hard fought uh, battle for humanity to get there around the world. If you look at global racism, it's still very real. And so but, you know, this has been the amount of progress that has gone on here Uh, in america in particular in well you could stretch it back to the founding obviously but the amount of progress in particular that has happened in the last 70 or 80 years is something to celebrate and that's a different thing from saying that there's perfection and this is effectively what drew Brees said and now he has to yeah oh and now he's in all kinds of trouble now they're all upset about drew Brees, um but it's true and for a lot of americans i think a vast majority you know if someone asked me you know what what percentage of americans you think are actually you know racist i mean no one really knows because you don't know what's in someone's heart but you know i don't know less than one percent i think i think an easy statistic would be you know over 90 percent of americans are effectively blind to the color of other people in the way that they view them as human beings and how they treat them and the respect with which they uh they show them you know, I mean, I'm I'm here in a very diverse, very liberal place, but not only do I not see racism happening on a you know a- actual acts of racism happening on a daily basis, I see much more kindness and decency and uh, the basic humanity binding us all together. That's what I see happening. That so so it's like we're living in uh, alternate realities. What the left proposes versus what I see every day. Uh, it's you know, this is why one of the reasons there's such a disconnect. And I mean, here's just one this is a small example. And so much of this is going to be anecdotal. But uh, here's a man in Detroit who um, who is standing in front of his home. Now, this has nothing to do with the protests or anything else. This is just a guy might have been electrical fire. We don't know. Um, but he's, you know, an African-American in Detroit standing in front of, of his home. And he just told the short story about how he's hurting right now. And a lot of people are hurting in the country, uh, you know, economically, psychologically, because of these lockdowns. This guy's house just burned down. He said he put every, well, I'll let him tell his, his story to you. This was in Detroit.
5: My family first. I put every dollar I
4: got in the house. There's nothing left. No, no. Like there's a lot of stuff that I want, but...
5: I prioritize for my family, every dollar. Every dollar I get, I put into my house, and I take care of my kids. So it's devastating for me, but I mean, I'm a big boy, so I'm going to just keep keep going for sure.
1: Here's a young African-American man who's standing in front of his house that just burned down on the Fox affiliate in Detroit. And he's saying... I put my family first. I take care of my kids. I put every dollar I have in this house to give them a nice home, a safe place, a good environment to grow up. And, I mean, every American, every person who saw this across the country was just, it just, it it hits all of us. You see this and you think, this guy's done the right stuff. He's in a a tough place. And clearly he's doing the things that we tell young people of, of all races, but is also obviously a very welcome message In minority communities or should be a very welcome message from the from the top down and from everywhere that taking care of your family, uh, taking care of your kids. This is what uh, what honorable men do. And guess what happened after he he gave this uh, just that short on air clip. There was an update today to the story. And here's that same that same gentleman,
5: you know, devastated. You know, standing in front of nothing, nothing, and, you know, in under 24 hours, you know, the house can be replaced, you know, then something. Um, Trying not to cry this time, you know. um,
1: But it's happy tears today.
5: Yeah, everything is happy tears now. I was just...
1: Everything's happy tears now. You know why? Because after people saw this man, you can tell from when when he was talking about his family, his kids, how devastated he was and how he put every dollar he had in that house. And the American people saw this and they raised money for him. Last time I checked, the GoFundMe for this guy was at one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in a matter of hours. I don't know where it is right now as I go to air, but it's more than enough to give him a new house, as he said, to rebuild this house entirely. And then some. Now, I understand you could say this is just a one off. This is the racist, evil country, according to the left, that that we, you know, we're in this racist, evil country and a young black man, a family man taking care of his kids, builds builds a house, trying to have his American dream. He runs into he runs into just bad luck. I don't think, you know, there's no there's no systemic racism here. From what we understand, it was just a fire. It might have been, you know, faulty electrical wiring or. They didn't know what the cause of the fire was yet. It's only been one day since the guy's house burned down. But a young African-American man's house burns down. He says he wants to take care of his kids. He said he did the right thing, and, and now he's devastated. And the American people instantaneously step up and give this guy money to build his house again. Him and his kids will have a, a safe place to live, and, you know, their, dream, their American dream can continue. Is that... Is that what you would expect if you're in a country where race relations are so terrible and where we have the systemic racism and we have to bend the knee and apologize? The left is giving you a vision of a country that does not exist. It exists in their in in their imaginations. And it is a nightmare that they try to foist on the rest of us. That is not true. It's not the country we live in. The American people, there are always exceptions, just like there are exceptions with law enforcement. The American people love each other, treat each other with dignity and are not racist. That feels almost like a revolutionary thing to say right now, but it's one that you need to remember. The American people are not racist. That doesn't mean there's no such thing as racism. Just the same way, though, as I could say, are the American people cruel? No. But does that mean there's no such thing as cruelty or that no Americans are cruel? Of course not. Then they will say, oh, it's systemic racism. Okay, well, explain what parts of the system are racist. Oh, and then they'll point to law enforcement. Why is law enforcement racist? What are they doing? Are they arresting people they shouldn't arrest? Are there problems in the African-American community in particular that require additional police resources? I mean, let's have that discussion. But if you're just going to say that cops are bad, cops are evil, then you're an agitator. Then you have something else that you're bringing to this because that's not true. That's not fair. Stay in reality with me, folks. Don't let the left push you into this dystopia that does not exist, but if you will let them have their way, it will exist. We will be in a fractured Society where we have no trust, no respect, no honor between all of us. That's not the society we live in now, though. And don't let them take that from us.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Dean Buck, it's time for roll call.
1: Friday everybody we want to spend some extra time on the roll call and we've also entered the late 20th century by setting up a voicemail box so that you could call in and we can hear from you on the show by all you have to do is leave a message at 844-900-BUCK 844-900-2825 so if you want to have your voice on the air but guys and gals producer mark are people going a little long or we, we we said four let's say 45 seconds ...is the max. 30 seconds is, is ideal. Yeah. Are people going a little long so far?
4: Uh, yes, so far people are going a little long. And um, I'll give you a tip. Just be concise and get to your point. I don't want to yes, hear please. all the extra stuff. Just get to your point and say
1: goodbye. There we go. Producer Mark, he, he runs a tight ship on the voicemail box. So he's the guy who has to sift through them. And he's going to kill me if he has to keep doing this and the messages are too long. So please... Keep keep it uh, keep it short. Brevity is your friend in the in the voicemail box. And now, for the first time, we're doing this. Uh, producer Mark, would you would you play one of our most excellent voicemails?
4: Buck, producer Mark, what's up? It's uh, Team Buck Cheyenne, Wyoming. I just wanted to uh, call in and say thank you so much for doing what you do. Um, I listen to I used to listen to a lot of political
1: analysts, but. I know that when I can listen, or when I listen to you guys, that uh, I can get something that's level headed and just not full of emotion. And I really
4: appreciate that. It, it made my day so much better. So thank you so much. Keep it up. Shield Pack.
1: I love it. Great message. Push some mark. We have great messages. Look at that. That's perfect. Uh, that was only, that, that T- was team one Buck of that. Cheyenne, Team Buck Cheyenne, Wyoming, Teato took instruction perfectly and executed with an A.
4: All right, uh, Buck, next time you can go ahead and we'll sniff through the messages.
1: (laughs) Mark was up a little late last night. He's a little grumpy about this one. Uh, What do we have in the next? We got one more, right? Uh, We've got four. Oh, let's play a couple more. Hit it.
5: Hi,
4: this is Ruth from Moscow, Idaho. I love the show. I love listening to Buck, and I listen every chance I get. I would just like to pose the question, what would our politicians be saying if these so-called Friendly, peaceful um, protests happened in their neighborhoods. What if Chucky e. Schumer's car got lit on fire or the windows of his house broken? Or what if Nancy Pelosi's refrigerator got raided and looted for heaven's sakes? What would they be saying and what would they be calling the looting and rioting at? If they were actually the targets and had to deal with it, that's all I have. Thanks
1: so much. Bye. Another excellent voicemail from the team. Thank you so much. And I also learned something. And producer Mark, did you learn something too? I did not know there was such a thing, uh, such a place as Moscow, Idaho. Did you? I did not. Yeah, I'm not up on my Idaho in geography. Like the city in Russia, except I don't think in this part of Idaho they'll walk around drinking vodka and saying uh, dosvidanya. I don't think so. Though
4: they probably like vodka, because isn't vodka made out of potatoes? Good call, Mm -hmm. producer
1: Mark. Got to get up pretty early to pull one over on the producer Mark. Um, Yeah, so I learned about Moscow, Idaho. I didn't know about that. And as for the, yeah, she raises a very important uh, point, which is that if this were happening, you know, if Nancy Pelosi's house was covered in graffiti, she might feel a little bit differently about this. Right. If, if something bad had happened in the neighborhoods of people that are always uh, pretending that this stuff is OK and that it's fine. If, if that had happened, you know, and I, I think a lot of this also is there. There's this partisan divide where the left, they're so triggered by Trump all the time that they they like the gaslighting aspect of this. They like that. That there, you know, if you're not a leftist, you see this stuff, the riots and the looting and you hate it. And they like to look at you and say, I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, they, they get a bit of a, there's a bit of pleasure that the left ruling, the leftist ruling class takes by looking at normal people who say this is outrageous. Why are this looting and rioting go on? It's like, well, maybe you support Trump and you shouldn't because I don't see anything wrong with this. It's just a way to goad you. It's a way to to agitate you. All right. Another great voicemail. Voicemail box is amazing so far. Let's see what we got next, Mark. Hit it.
4: Hey, Buck. This is uh, Matthew from Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm just calling in to say you got a great show. I love listening to you every day, and you've just you become a real hero to me. Keep up the great work, and producer Mark. You too. So have a good day.
1: Well, thank you so much, man. Down in Greensboro, North Carolina, I appreciate it. Great to have you uh, on Team Buck appreciate your kind words and look you've got obviously excellent taste in radio programming and podcast listening so uh on, honored to spend time with you every day and please please keep listening and thank you for uh such a again another concise excellent uh voicemail voicemail that we're getting here and i hope you guys are enjoying that. We, we we got one more and then we'll get to the written side of the uh, of the roll call but producer mark what do we got
4: hey mark and buck kyle from ohio calling to shed a little light on this supposed red state. Uh, First of all, I love your show, love everything you guys do. Uh, So we just declared uh, racism a public safety or public health crisis in Ohio, but I can't go to my wife and I are expecting our first child, and I can't go to any of the doctor's appointments. So a little peeved about that. Hopefully we can shed some light out here, supposedly a red state, like I said, and uh, maybe we can get some of these dumb-dumbs to change their mind. Again, love the show. She'll die.
1: Shields high. Great message. Thank you so much. He said Ohio, right? I just I, I was a little. Yes, he did. for me. Ohio. Yeah. Um, he makes a, he makes another excellent point here. The that racism is a public health emergency. But for the last two months, you know, cancer screening, doctor's appointments. I mean, my, look, my sister. Uh, is is expecting here in New York. And she had to move doctor's appointments around because of covid. And, you know, so pregnant women, this is a challenge for uh, people that have to get cancer screenings. Cancer treatment has been a challenge for. And somehow it's a public racism is a public health emergency. How, How is what does racism have to do with a public health emergency? How is, you know, because racism has to be. The existence of human behaviors that are immoral and discriminatory based on race where and look, I'm sure they have some way of saying that there is a, you know, a racial component or whatever. The the crime, they keep saying this about covid-19. And to this, I say, well, you know, are are we are we comparing uh, populations that have the same rates of comorbidities? meaning you know if, if you have a disproportionate number of people the latino community for example has been hit very hardly in new york but it, it, are they are there a lot of people in the latino community that have uh, hypertension diabetes those problems and so there's a more general health issue that was pre-existing within the latino community in new york is that you know that's a worthwhile discussion to have that okay how is that happening why is that happening but to just say that it's racism i mean it the virus doesn't discriminate based on race. So what? But again, it's all it's so much just about about control. And they know that the moment we all start talking about race, people just everything gets very tense. They don't want to say anything. they don't want to say the wrong thing. Don't want to be a bad guy. Don't want to be a bad guy. And so they pretend that it's about dialogue. But as I tell you, it's really about lecturing, lecturing you. Lecture. And, and that includes the members of Team Buck who are black and Latino and uh, members of Team Buck who are Asian. The left is lecturing you, too. It doesn't matter what your race is. If you don't agree with their race based politics, you're part of the problem, too. So let's be very clear
0: about that. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right. Now we get to the written part of the roll call where you send us your emails and your Facebook messages and all the rest of it. Uh, let's kick it off, shall we? A team buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to email or Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to send us a Facebook message. Let's get to it. Bart writes in "Uh, Buck, I had not listened to your show for some time uh, because I needed a break from the stress of hearing how bad things are in our country. But lately, I felt the need to hear your opinion on what has been happening. After listening to a few podcasts, I was happy that you said exactly what I thought you would say and two, exactly what I needed to hear. Keep up the good work. On a sad note, I am very disappointed by the number of former friends and some distant family members who joined the virtue signaling mob on social media to show that they stand with the looters and rioters. Their knee jerk reaction is to donate money to pay bail and free those who have been in prison for looting or other illegal acts. Not one is offered a penny to fund to help pay for property damage or hospital bills for those unfortunate enough to be hurt by violence. Thank you for coming back to the team. We always save a seat for you, folks. If you're out, you miss a week, you miss a month, you miss a year. Please come back to the team and and join us and listen every day and be, be a part of what we're doing here. Um, and, and I think if if this is the Bart that I'm thinking of down in the Carolinas, Bart's been with us for years and years. So Bart, good to have you back. And as for uh, you know the virtue signaling stuff that's going on, yeah, it's look, it's uh, I I. I have people that things are so tense right now that people that know me only socially and not professionally, people have known me earlier in life, reach out to me and are, you know, I just saw some stuff of yours because especially my the tweet that I put out on this only ends when the good guys are willing to use overwhelming force against the bad guys. What I think is so interesting is that tweet, which, as I've told you, is now I think it's been viewed almost 25 million times. It was over 21 or 22 million a few days ago, which is a lot for a tweet like that's. That's views. That's not theoretical people seeing it. Um, But that uh, that's a a bit of a Rorschach test for what's going on here, because I didn't say until we're willing to use overwhelm until the good guys use overwhelming force against the protesters. I said the bad guys, and it should be very clear to everybody who the bad guys are. They are people who are attacking other human beings violently, who are looting stores, who are uh, who are engaging in arson, who are engaging in vandalism, breaking the law. Those are the bad guys. So, yes, that's when all police, all police action is is premised upon the state having a monopoly on the usage of violence to keep order. So if you don't have the ability to bring overwhelming force against the bad guys, you no longer have order. You have anarchy. You have rule by, you know, might makes right. So what I it's so interesting because my tweet and the president retweeted it. So it got all over the place. But it, it really just established what is a, a foundational truth of our society. We no longer have a country if the good guys are not willing to use overwhelming force against the bad guys. We have might makes right. We have no we have no order. And so that's why I thought it was. But people reached out to me, oh, you can't really mean this. Why aren't you supporting the protesters? I didn't say I didn't say a hurt pro. I would never say hurt protesters. It would be a violation of my principles to suggest that protests not only should that they should be, you know, force should be used against them. It would be a violation of my principles to suggest that they're that they should be shut down from speaking. Now, the left doesn't adhere to that principle anymore because they say that. Speech was violence. Speech that they didn't like. Now silence is violence. That's that's what they've. So say what you say what we want you to, or else violence. That's where this is. That's where this is. Um. So yeah, man. That's the that's the situation. Producer Mark, just a little, little little pause here for a moment. What do you what do you got for us this weekend, buddy? What are you watching? Are you and uh, you and uh, the Mrs. Mark going to have you know? some meatloaf and uh chill out and watch some something creek that i can't say on radio well we already finished that a long time ago so we're not, not going to oh. do
4: that um i might go grocery shopping tomorrow first time what's in a your while favorite,
1: what's your favorite part i'm being serious here where do you where like where do you go run the most wild in the grocery store like where do you do the most damage that's not you know the essentials but you're like oh yeah it's go oh. time
4: um let's see i mean during quarantine is a lot different than during normal times because during normal times, I'm not going to go buy a bunch of sweets and crap. You know, I try to keep fairly healthy, but now I don't. So I guess the baked goods department. Mm. Uh, so I was going to say, for me, it's, it's the
1: frozen section. Oh, yeah. Man. The
4: frozen section was a close second with the ice
1: cream. I have, been, I have been running wild. I'm like, remember those? I don't know. You actually don't remember this because you're like 15. But uh, remember the, there used to be, for the folks who are, you know, graybeard millennials, uh, there used to be these shows where it was like you'd take a grocery store cart and you'd have 30 seconds and you'd run through the store and whatever you could fill in the cart, you got to keep. Yeah, supermarket sweep, right? Oh, yeah. You know, you do know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like that when I get to the frozen section. I'm like, ah, ice cream, mac and cheese, chicken tenders. Like, I'm just, I'm just going wild in there.
4: See, last time we went to the grocery store, I got the Mickey Mouse ice cream bars. They're mm. delicious. You've definitely had that. Have you been to Disney? Obviously, you've had one there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah they're delicious and now they sell them at home yes yes indeed so anyway the free app but the frozen side. i have to i have to just i can't if i start to browse in the frozen section then i start to be like maybe i need an extra cart just for the frozen <laughs> like i start to get a little and then i get home and your freezer that's valuable real estate right you gotta really you know you don't because you can have stuff in there that just sits for months and months and it actually can be okay but you only have you have limited freezer space yeah, we have
4: a very small freezer section, so we actually have to be smart about even how much fresh meat we buy, because you know we buy in bulk and then freeze some, just to make yeah. sure we have enough room in the freezer for
1: it. You know, i, I had friends, I had friends who um, uh, were buying above ground, like our you know separate freezers during all this, just so they could keep all their freeze goods.
4: I, I think a lot of families do that. Like, been, you have a bunch of kids. It just makes more sense to go to BJ's or Costco or something and get a huge thing of chicken and then freeze it.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Well, also, people don't know that Hunt will always say that, you know, if they, they, they kill a few deer and they'll keep venison in the freezer for the whole, you know, for the. And that's like one of their main sources of protein through the winter time because, you know, a few deer are, and venison is delicious, by the way. So there's that. Uh, Michael, see? I've eaten some venison. Little city city boy Buck uh, has experienced the great outdoors quite a bit, I will have you all know. Michael, my scary thought is that if there's an increase in COVID-19 cases because of the protesters, they will use it to say we must all still remain locked down. Michael, you are not wrong. Um, It's one reason why that was the thing that I I asked the president. Look, I, I know the president changes his mind on things, and I'm not his senior most advisor, which is unfortunate because I'd be a pretty damn good one. But nonetheless, uh, I I tried to get him to to promise that he wouldn't do a second lockdown. He did promise. I think he's committed to it. But what do we do when the states? Well, if the states come back, then the federal government can sue them. You know, it gets a little bit messy, but I've never I've never thought before that I really want to get out there and protest, but I, I actually I don't want to protest to end systemic racism. I want to protest so that people of all races can have their lives back in New York, can can actually go and do what they want to do and live their lives again. That's what I would like to see protests about. I'm I'm a, think about this. We didn't have protests for the lockdown, but we've had protests because of the George Floyd killing. I mean, does that I mean, really, in terms of the impact on society, and on the country, does that make sense? Now people can protest whatever they want, and you know that's fine. And the George Floyd killing was horrible, and I get it. And, but okay, can I at least have protests for the COVID lockdown that wasn't necessary as well? No, no, people. It just it was a left wing anti-Trump thing, and we don't look. The right doesn't protest. You know, not since the Tea Party movement, we just don't protest. We don't do it. Very few. You had that Michigan State House protest. You had some out in Long Island here. Very few protests going on. Uh, Ted writes, hey, guys, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. Not only are these inner city governments letting their city burn, but now they're going to defund the police. I couldn't even imagine how these policemen and women feel. They're not getting the support they need from their leaders. Sadly, if it were me, I would hand my badge in and get as far away as possible. These liberals are playing with fire and risking the safety of the residents of your city. You literally have to shelter in place at night because of these imbeciles. And you're paying some of the highest taxes in the country. Sorry Buck and Mark I know you guys just moved Not long ago But thinking your tax dollars Would be appreciated here In South Carolina Producer Mark I don't I mean South Carolina Is not far from Florida The people are lovely You know uh, what, what are those I, tax dollars how, how much are the How, I how high know. I think dollars, I think yeah. state income tax There's like five or yeah, six so percent It's always like too much. <laughs> too much Producer Mark goes eh,
4: <laughs> No too like, much uh, My question is Is it higher than zero <laughs> Yes
1: <laughs> that we're not. moving. That's a, right. fair, that's a fair point. Yeah, it is. You know, we are, we are working against zero with Texas and Florida now. And Florida obviously wins for the uh, the Freedom Hut sweepstakes so far. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I don't know. We got to hear from we I, I want someone from our KLBJ Austin fam team buck to write in and tell us why we should move to Austin. Darn it. Are, are we going to get overrun with commies if we move to Austin? Tell us. We need to know. Otherwise, we're going to be your neighbors. Uh, Douglas. Hey, Buck. Life is great. I got five ballots today to our home with only two voters living here. Vote is for school board and over $90 million in annual budget. Of course, as part of Team Buck and the Freedom Hut, I will do the right thing. Um, Oh, he's saying that, yeah, vote at home is going to be full of... Yes. Yes, it will. It will be full of bad things. Bad things. So, yes, indeed. Um, uh, Let's see. Next we have Moria, my husband and I are both avid Drew Brees and New Orleans Saints fans so much that we named our beloved Golden Retriever after him. Drew Brees has always been seen as an upstanding man full of character and grace, not to mention he's one hell of a football player. Sadly, this week is not the first time that Drew Brees has come under fire for his conservative beliefs. You know, I wouldn't even say they're conservative. They're just patriotic. You're not allowed to be patriotic right now. You're not allowed to say I love America. It's a great country. That's a problem. You say that right now and people look at you kind of funny who are part of this movement, who are out there protesting. If I I'll tell you this. Here's an experiment here. This tells you a lot about the, the real heart and soul of this protest movement. If I showed up at a protest here in New York and I was waving a big just just waving an American flag. Do you think people would welcome me? No, they would take it from me. And I bet they would try to burn it. Honestly. What does that tell you about what's really going on here? I kind of want to run this experiment, actually, although, you know, the last thing I really need is for me to get into a fistfight with, you know, 50 people because I would lose, even though a few of them would have broken noses. But violence is bad. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at. I, I think that. Oh, and here's an even better example. I mean, show up at one of these protests just wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Do you think you'd be welcome? Do you think that they would say, hey, no, no, he, this person, let's let's bring them in. Let's change their mind. You're welcome here as long as you're peaceful. Stay with us and, and let's see if we can let's see if we can reach some common ground. Of course not. They would spit, literally spit in your face. Do you, do you think that do you think I'm making it up? I mean, I think we all know. Sorry, I got a little bit uh, off track here. In in, uh, 2011, he got slammed, this is Drew Brees, as homophobic in the media for promoting Bring Your Bible to School Day, which is a focus on the family initiative. Because focus on the family believes in traditional marriage, he got slandered as anti-gay. It's so appalling that holding personal Judeo-Christian values gets you attacked by the mainstream social media mob. Makes me worried for our future, but what are we as conservatives supposed to do? I'm sick of watching everyone bend a knee. Uh, yeah, Moria, I think I I, I, look, I'm sick of watching everyone bend the knee too. And I understand your frustrations here. I understand your, your concerns about all of this. Uh, I I think the first thing is don't bend the knee. You know, you personally should not bend the knee. And then beyond that, um, hope that this gets better, I suppose. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we win other than just. Shields high. Don't back down. And it's easier said than done. And I know that they'll bring a lot of pressure. You're, you're going to look if you tell liberals things that I'm saying here on this show that are that are friends with you, um, you will you will lose friends. You will lose friends. So just remember that I, I don't pretend that that this that what I tell you, the truths that I share on air do not come with a cost. If you tell others them, now, other conservatives are probably like, that guy's smart. I should listen to his show. Thank you very much. But if you tell libs, you'll you'll, they won't want to talk to you anymore. So I speak the truth.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Next up in roll call, Dino Buck, I love your show. And producer Mark is an amazing asset. He keeps your rightfully inflated ego in check. Like you, I think you are brilliant as well. Thank you, Dino. Question. Why doesn't the president sue the likes of The New York Times when they blatantly lie? They recently said he cleared the streets of protesters outside the White House by using tear gas, which was not true. He could donate his winnings. I just think we're living in a time where the lying liberal media needs to be held accountable for the good of everyone. P.S. Shields, I've been telling all my friends about your amazing show, and I follow you on all your platforms. Thank you and producer Mark for all the work you do. Dino, thank you for making sure producer Mark and I have a job. We appreciate it, right? Producer Mark, better yes, to have a job I than no job. Yes, I do
4: have an, and do enjoy having a job.
1: Yeah, yeah, better to have a job than no job. So, so thank you to all of you who listen and write us and just listen. And if you can check out some of our sponsors, too, that keeps the lights on here. So make sure uh, make sure you keep that going, too. And uh, Dino, as for your question, and as well as we thank you for your kind words, it's, very, it's a very high bar. You have to prove malice. Um, you have to prove malice in false reporting, and you have to prove damages as well. And so reporting about a current event for a newspaper that one is they would argue done in good faith, even if it's wrong. And two, does not attack any one individual. Oh, and public figures also have an even higher bar. Uh, So, you know, slandering Trump is going to be different than slandering just, you know, John Smith from wherever. uh, If you're a media organization, as they found out with the Covington kids, he's just he's just swimming in a big gold coin vault like Scrooge McDuck, courtesy of suing CNN and Jeff Zucker. If you remember that whole situation. Jesse, right? Shields Highbuck, Love the show. Took some time to read the demands on the BLM homepage. Shocking that the demands are very similar to everything Bernie Sanders had campaigned on. However, only for African-Americans. How is this equality? Keep up the good fight. Never bend the knee uh yeah jesse it's a left-wing movement and we know this and and anyone who tells you otherwise is being dishonest with you so we might as well start from that basic truth it is a left-wing movement and they don't really want equality they want agitation they want control and unfortunately they've been able to achieve certainly the first and they're looking to achieve the second this fall so we'll see everybody give your mind a rest this weekend read a good book read a novel take some time to chill we'll be back with you on monday never bending the knee and shield tie.